Well, hey, everyone, and welcome to episode number 82 of the Other Six Podcast. My name is Chad Boak, and I am your host. Joining me once again in the studio, my co-host, our worship pastor, the man who was addicted to the hokey pokey until he turned his life around, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Matt Collins. Matt, how are you today, sir? I'm really glad I turned it around, man. Well, that's what it's all about. Also joining us in the studio today, our lead pastor, Mr. Adam Bishop. Adam, how are you today, sir? You don't sir? even know what to do himself. <laughs> you do the hokey pokey. That's right. So did you guys ever have skate night? When you were yeah. like in school growing skate up, skate night. Oh yeah, yeah. we had a sparkles like, ice skating, not ice skating, Spark? roller skating, roller rink. skating. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. so our elementary school, you'd have skate night, and like you'd go to skate night. It was a big deal. Okay, you know, not a lot to do in Kennesaw, Georgia, growing up. <laughs> and so I always remember there was this one point in, at one point in skate night where everybody get out there. The he did the hokey pokey okay. on roller skates. Okay, did anybody fall? Oh yeah, <laughs> concussions left and right. But this was the eighties. Nobody, nobody cared. Cares. We weren't wearing helmets. Just kids, you know, busting heads. Right. Right, right, right. Teeth, but yeah. dang it, we were yeah. gonna finish the hokey pokey <laughs> on roller skates. They wouldn't like last kids do man that standing now. is what yeah. I hear. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. exactly what it was. And we'd all skate, and then there was always a couple skate where couple you would skate see, only, like, yeah. the little fourth grade couple, little fifth grade couple that we all wondered, and they're like, okay, they're a couple, yeah, you know. But that's kind of weird. Roller skate, bowling, you wear the same shoes that other people have worn. They yeah, use that's right. spray that doesn't do a thing, that's just for like appearances. <laughs> You're telling me that one little squirt of that spray is gonna kill off everything, yeah, in those yeah, shoes? of course. Oh, Oh, nasty. <laughs> but that's what came into my head when you started the hokey pokey. Yeah, see, now we had uh, birthday parties at the roller rink okay, around here. Yeah. That, we didn't yeah. really do so much of like the night sort of thing. Yeah. It was more of the birthday party. Yeah. And I remember you would go and there would always, this was right as roller blades were starting to really become a thing. So you had all of us wearing the borrowed roller skates and mm -hmm. like that one guy that showed <laughs> yeah. up in the, the roller blades and he knew what he was doing, man. There's always that one weird dude though who's like in his 40s and skating and, backwards. Yes, really, really yes. good. Yeah. Like, yeah. Really good. Like, like how does he move his legs? How? You know, like, like going backwards, the, like yeah. the inline thing. Yeah. Don't you have a job? <laughs> that is his job. <laughs> That's right. Showing up and showing out. That, wow. that was his job. Yeah. But no, yeah, we we had the roller ring okay. around here, and then now you say the hokey pokey. So when I was in middle school, it was. Uh, the Macarena. That was what you, were, oh, you would yeah, go out yeah. there, you would skate yeah. around, and everybody would do the Macarena. I am much older than y'all. <laughs> <laughs> so I once led a cruise ship in the entire uh, performance of the Macarena. Oh, the, the whole you cruise did? ship? Okay. The whole cruise ship. Okay. So, well, at least everybody that was at dinner that night. Okay. So my senior year of high school, <laughs> we went on a cruise after I graduated high school. And it wasn't one of those cruises because, like, I grew up in a pretty conservative household. Sure. So my entire family went on my senior trip. <laughs> right, right, right. So it right, was a family right. vacation. But I got to bring my friend Matt, not this Matt, my other friend Matt, and one of my best friends in high school. And so that was kind of like, yeah, bring Matt. That's your high school, yeah. your graduation trip. Anyway, we're at dinner, and it's a little boring, you know, and everybody's kind of eating, yeah, you yeah, know, the yeah. fancy food. Room, yeah. So Matt and I decide, <laughs> we need to lead this entire room in the Macarena. <laughs> so we found the guy that was in charge of the music and talked him into it, and we literally got up on top of this table, and like, man, we got everybody, we had the entire <laughs> restaurant doing that's the Macarena. Awesome. It was like right at its height of popularity. So that's, that's really, yeah. it was yeah. great. This is pre-social media, so nothing right. like that could actually be captured and, and shared. <laughs> we have no evidence. Was really good. But oh yeah, not the first time that I, I got on on top of a table and some a restaurant led people on dancing. Oh, really? This oh, is yeah. a common you know, thing I'm a hearing. a normal thing for Adam, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, sometimes you're just Be in a restaurant. Sweet Creek this Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> 
You know, I mean, I didn't do anything bad. It's just like yeah. sometimes you're in these formal settings. You need just to loosen things up break, a little break bit. Break the ice yeah, yeah. And yeah. I mean, Shake I wouldn't it encourage up. it now. This is how sure. now you end up arrested or <laughs> right, right, on right. YouTube. But back in the nineties, <laughs> eh, you know. All right. So I'm, I'm scared. I'm scared to admit this, but there is video evidence of this on uh, on the first cruise I ever went on. Christy made me participate in a finish the lyric competition. Okay. You know? So anyway, it was me versus like four other people, and uh, I skunked them. I mean, just like they like they got out. It was not even close. <laughs> this is Mr. Trivia and, over here. And at the end of it, they said, all right, we're going to circle everyone around, and the first one to grab the mic and finish the lyric wins. And this is like in the main atrium right, of the yeah. thing. So Christy filmed all of this, by okay. the way. It exists. Uh, it's going to show up and, next uh, week. <laughs> so they start playing Living on a Prayer by Bon Jovi. And, of course, I was the first one to the mic. And so the entire cruise ship, you led them in the Macarena. Yeah. For me, it was Living on a Prayer by Bon Jovi. Yeah, that's awesome. Sung completely out of key, completely terribly. It, yeah. it, was, uh, yeah. it was a lot of fun. Yeah, Fantastic. So well, I is, have never done anything uh, like yeah, that, but we, we, gotta, we, we got we got some time. Neither I'm, I'm pretty sure then, we, we, we merged our way into the electric slide afterwards. Boogie, woogie, woogie. So, yeah. Well, that's awesome. Well, anyway. How did we end up here? Uh, we started with the hokey great. pokey, right, and now fault. we're doing the electric slide. your fault. As is usual, it is my fault. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's it's on me over here. Well, gentlemen, how was, before we get to Easter Sunday, how was your uh, your Easter weekend? It, it got a little rainy on Saturday, I'm here to talk about the resurrection. What are we doing? <laughs> we're talking about the hokey pokey today, man. We're driven this thing off the rails. Uh, I'm sorry. Well, it rained all day Saturday. Yeah, yeah. it was nasty. And it was cold, day. and so I think... Hopefully it's our last fire of the year in the fireplace. Okay, you know we had that. Was, Y'all had a fire in the fireplace. Oh yeah, all day, man. Okay. So it was nice and just kind of enjoyed chilling. I'd planned on watching the Masters all day, but it got rained out. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, but it was a nice kind of family day for us. You know, we kind of did all the family Easter stuff on Saturday, right? And it was great, just a nice relaxing day. And and I was kind of happy that it was raining all day Saturday because I was like, this is gonna make everybody want to get out of the house tomorrow. And come to That's, church. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, it was kind of fun. It did, yeah, yeah. Matt, what did you get up to this weekend? Uh, Friday. I fixed my fence. I busted out the saw, the drill, and then that over here using tools. Out of boy on Friday, and then I actually fixed a step. There's like a step outside that like dry rotted, so I fixed that too. So. Out of boy, yeah. I did get some work done too on Friday. <laughs> on Friday, get so you using the tools. Yeah, yeah I man. Like that. Well done. Love it. Yeah, yeah I did really some get pressure washing a lot. I broke my pressure washer. You broke it. Yeah, that's a long story. <laughs> so it's kind of embarrassing. You need to get a, <laughs> So I had, to get, I had to get a new, I had to get a new pressure washer so, oh, because I broke, broke the old oh. pressure washer. I, I, I thought I was going to be able to fix it, but no, I broke it beyond repair. Okay. So amateur mistake. I should know better. I mean, I pressure wash a lot. You know, I got right. a lot of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't you do thinking, it. and when I had the pressure wash on my porch, which wraps around you know the entire yeah. house, I had the pressure wash on the porch in the one area where you actually go down the steps, okay. you know, off of the porch. Right. Well, the problem is, if you're on the other end of the porch, pressure washing, and that sucker's vibrating, it starts hopping all over the place. It hopped right off the porch, <laughs> right down the this. steps, yeah. landing on the top. So I'm pressure washing going, why does this thing stop working? <laughs> Things smoking like crazy. Oh, it's no. on top. Yeah, I landed the carburetor. I'm like, oh, boy. So, like, <laughs> only me. So I had to go get a new pressure washer to finish the job. But I did. So yeah. um, that's neither here nor there. Well, but if you know of anybody that knows what to do with an old pressure washer, I mean, you can't put that in the trash can. Yeah, pay, not, paging bill. No yeah, problem. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we do have a a, a landfill kind of dump here yeah. in Montgomery. You ever been there? 
No. Dude, years ago it's with pretty, my dad. It's a yeah. pretty scary place. Yeah, yeah. years and years It's been, been, been a few years since I've been. So yeah. I, I kind of scared to go back. So if you need like an old pressure washer that doesn't work, <laughs> right? But you need it for a prop. Adam needs a friend to <laughs> yeah, take it right. to the yeah, field. Need is it for what a prop. Maybe we can use it for something. <laughs> yeah, but the kids ministry. Yeah, yeah. pressure washer, Morgan. Yeah, pressure washer this lesson. Jesus washes the way you're sitting. There it is. Come on, they can use it. All right, we'll bring it up here. We did it. We did it. Did you get any work done? Uh, no. So the girls had Friday off for Good Friday. The school they go to, the head I mean, off. our and kids were home too. I forgot yeah. about that. <laughs> and uh, Christy's work actually gave them Friday off as oh, well. That's oh, nice. So that was great. Yeah. So we got to kind of spend a rare Friday all together, and felt like Saturday. It was weird, you know. Then you know when Friday it ended, was hot on Friday. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, our kids so, were swimming all day Friday. Oh, that, <laughs> that, no. I forgot while I was working. <laughs> Meanwhile, it's like cold now. And then yeah. Saturday yeah. It was freezing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we did that, and then Saturday evening went over to my parents' house, dyed Easter eggs. You know, kind of did that that sort of thing, nice. which was was a lot of fun. So like, I only ever dye one egg. I'm like, I want it to be as deep like green or blue okay. as possible so i put just, one in just one egg leave it there like the whole time and that's that's my that's, that's my it. easter egg yeah so i only get the was one it, was it a good color yeah, yeah you it, do? Was, it was green real green. deep green now the girls are over there like riding, green. you know the wax can like i don't know how you're supposed to see it's a white wax pen hmm. on a white egg how do you know what you're drawing you know i have no idea maybe if you hold they, a blue light up to it or just something that, you can I just do yeah you know no but it was good so it was a good weekend and then uh, we had a fantastic Easter Sunday here at Vaughn Forest Church. I, I thought you know, it was so much fun getting to see everybody using the photo booth. The worship was incredible. Yeah. So many folks here. Fantastic message. I mean, let's just talk for a little bit about Easter Sunday. I mean, it was it was great getting to see so many people here. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think we have to start by saying thank you to all of you who served. That's I mean, right. you know, Volunteers, hundreds of people you. that are serving in the kids' ministry and the yeah. student ministry, greeters, cafe, I mean, production, yeah. worship yeah. team. I mean, just... It, it, the the photo booths. I mean, yeah. I saw a lot of our people hanging around, you know, taking pictures yep, for people, being, and yep. I mean, that's what makes Vaughn Forest go. We're we're a very small staff. You yeah, think right. about you have that many people on our campus. Like that day doesn't happen unless we've got so many of our people <laughs> right. who are right. that's true. serving. And so we're just really grateful. And um, it was awesome to see a lot of new people here. Yeah, and mm-hmm. um, I think they had a good experience. Uh, mainly because they were served well by our people right. yeah, and made right. to feel welcome. And yeah. so we're really grateful. We actually have the easiest jobs on Sundays. <laughs> that's right. You yeah. know, we, because uh, we, we practice and work at this and this is our J-O-B, yeah. but the rest of y'all are up here serving, you yeah. know, giving your time. So I thought that was awesome. And then, yeah, it was great to see a lot of new people here as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a great time. Again, Matt loved the worship. I love Thanks, that video man. showed at the uh, beginning of the oh, service, yeah? the Graves and the Gardens yeah, thing. It was fun. Yeah, that was great. So, I mean, if anyone hasn't had an opportunity to go and watch that service, I would I would really encourage you uh, head over to our YouTube page or mm-hmm. uh, Facebook. You can yeah. you can find that. Yeah, and even with a lot of our people who travel for Easter, because yeah, you right. know we've always got mm-hmm. folks from out of town. So pretty remarkable, and we share this as a celebration. But you know, Vaughn Forest has been around for a long time. Mm-hmm. So our church will be 30 years old next year. That is so correct. So we're 29 wow. years old. Yeah. So Easter was the most people that have ever been on the campus of Vaughn Forest in the history of the church. Wow. So <laughs> that's just remarkable. So yeah, uh, we, we made history. So, uh, <laughs> we made it by God's grace and by the faithfulness of so many people serving. So yeah, you definitely want to celebrate yeah, that. Yeah, pretty absolutely. awesome. Yeah. yeah. So I, I do want to talk a little bit about the message from yesterday, but before we get to that. I want to talk about just kind of Easter in general, because, you know, year after year, we, we celebrate Easter as we should. The resurrection of Jesus, this is, this is an amazing event. I mean, the cornerstone for, for, for everything that we believe. And I think so much of the time, just because it's, it almost becomes routine after a while to talk about this, yeah. that sometimes we lose sight 
of the significance and lose sight of what it must have been like for the people that were there during right. the death, yeah. you know, the trial, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus. So can we just, before we get into the message today, can we talk a little bit about what must have that have been like to be there for all of that? It's crazy, right? To think yeah. about that? I can't even wrap yeah. my head around that. What year did The Passion of the Christ come out? Was it 2004? I uh, want to say it was 2004. Wanted, yeah, three It or was four. either 04 or 05. Somewhere in there. Yeah, somewhere in there. So if you haven't seen that, I, th- I thought that that movie did a really good job of capturing mm. it. I remember when it came out, <clears throat> hearing that it was going to be an Aramaic and thinking, well, that's going to be strange, the right. subtitles. Yeah. And then five minutes in, you're not even thinking yeah, about even, it anymore. Yeah, right. that, even that gives it more of a sense of real, because they're yeah, not speaking right. English. I thought that movie did a really good job of capturing it. But, you know, your question in many ways, a lot, you know, we, we begin to wonder and we begin to imagine and yet it's also in answering that question that we we find the evidence that this event really happened. Yeah. That it, it didn't happen on some remote island. Yeah. Jesus didn't right. die in his sleep. Right. And a few people gathered around his bed. Like this was a public spectacle mm-hmm. right. from a trumped up trial on false charges with everybody knowing. And so the witnesses and the people who saw it are in many ways why 2,000 years later we know this happened. Yeah. yeah. That, that people proclaimed that this had happened and and that is the greatest evidence that it did happen right is that there were so many people who saw it and who told other people and who saw Jesus was alive but absolutely if you had been there and had to, and, and had a chance to see it firsthand yeah i mean scripture even says some things that we never really even draw much attention to like there was an earthquake it was pitch black dark in right. the middle right. of the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All these yeah. things that happened. There's another earthquake that happens. Like, it's like, <laughs> it's I mean, like the Roman soldiers, like this. There's is, a lot uh, going a lot, on. The dead rose. Uh, yeah, 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 going yeah, yeah. on. Yeah, right. yeah exactly. Right. Right. Like, there is something. You would have known this. this isn't a normal Tuesday. <laughs> right. like, you would have known something <laughs> is up. You know. Right. So yeah, crazy. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know. Okay, so we got the witnesses that you know we kind of we kind of see that solidify our faith. Uh, and that Jesus rose. So are there any other sources, though, that the resurrection occurred? Yeah, so let's talk about that. Um, I actually brought some notes with me today. Oh, so, look at uh, you. I know, yeah. I know. Well, look so, at that. Um, He's prepared. I asked a question, he comes ready. That's right. So, But yeah, Roman soldiers, I think, like the Roman Empire took really good reports on things like that, right? Yeah, and so let's talk about that, because the, the short answer to your question is yes. Okay. So there, there, there are accounts that exist in mm-hmm. historical documents outside of the New Testament that, you know, talk about the events that we celebrate as the yeah. resurrection. But those documents are not the best historical evidence we have. Okay. okay. So the best historical evidence that we have is actually treating Scripture like a historical document. Right. So let's talk about that for a second. Okay. So I need everybody to suspend their faith <laughs> for a second, okay? okay? So this is not we're reading the Bible as Christians. This okay. is not we're reading the Bible as God's inspired word, which obviously we believe we, we it's believe, true. yeah. This is us reading the Bible as a historical document. Okay. So if you go to school and you're taught history, you're going to be taught it accurately. So Mm -hmm. how do we know from all of human history how to teach history? Well, there's a process where things are verified. I mean, archaeologists discover all types of different documents and sources and things like that. And so we're only taught what, to the best that we can tell, is factual, historical Events yeah. right. that happen. Right, right. That's what I'm talking about. If we take that same level of 
evaluating, and the technical term for that is textual criticism. So okay. we're gonna we're gonna look at this text historically, and the textual criticism, the method of that, as we're gonna see, does it uphold these tests of uh, validity? Most of the New Testament doesn't. <clears throat> okay, so this is why if you watch something on the History Channel that talks about anything in the Bible, they're going to keep interviewing all of these professors, you know, mm-hmm. professor of whatever, whatever at Duke, and professor right. of whatever, whatever at Northwestern. Um, and, and sometimes we're like, how could they say that about Jesus? Well, because at most universities, you can get a degree in religion. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it's yeah. not what we would understand in religion. It's more right. of a comparative study of world religions based on their historical validity. Right. Right. And so these experts and textual criticism poke a lot of holes in the four Gospels. Okay. They basically have concluded, based on their methods, that the four Gospels do not meet the criteria of historically being valid. Hmm. Okay. And so that's just that's just fact. Okay. So if you take their methods, again, I, I'm not, again, I, I believe this by faith. So right. I'm, I'm using their toolbox. Okay. If you take their toolbox, Bible historical document, and, and you do this, the, the passage in the New Testament that most clearly speaks to the resurrection, that passes every single one of their tests is found in 1 Corinthians. Okay. okay. So let's just set the four Gospels aside for a second. I know I'm upsetting a lot of people right now, okay? <laughs> but what your question you asked, yeah. what's the best historical evidence? It's actually when we look at Scripture through the lens of historical validity. Okay. So 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 8. I'm going to read this passage to you. Okay. This is Paul. For I delivered to you—now he's talking to the church at Corinth—I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. So Paul is saying, I told you what somebody else told me. And then he tells us what somebody told him, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then the Twelve. We now know Cephas, that's Peter, okay? Right, right. That cadence— there. If you mm-hmm. read it in the New American Standard, it's a subset, and it's a. It looks almost like a, a poetry kind like of Psalms yeah. would kind of be. Yeah. Laid out. That's a good way of saying yeah. it. And and it's so a legal document, it's, though, right? This is um, Aramaic, Hebrew, Semitic language uh-huh. that does not fit Paul's writing style. Right. It's very clear he is writing what he mm-hmm. received. Like yeah. this is what somebody told me, and then he continues. Okay. Then, after appearing to Peter and the Twelve, he appeared to more than 500 people at one time, Mm -hmm. most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Mm -hmm. Then he appeared to James, then to the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he also appeared to me. Mm -hmm. This passage of, of Scripture is historically the most valid text we have in the Bible and outside of the Bible to back up the events of the resurrection. Okay. So what's happened is... Critics who do not believe the Bible the way we believe the Bible mm-hmm. take the historical test and they impose it upon this, and this text passes every one of their tests. Okay. So the reason I brought my notes is because I've, I've taught classes on this before. So again, just kind of give you a couple of examples. So again, you didn't think you're here this today. German historian Hans von Koppenhausen. I was just reading him yeah, the other day. Yeah. Who <laughs> is not a believer, not somebody yeah. who approaches the Bible yeah. the same way we do, says this account meets all the demands of historical reliability that could possibly be made <clears throat> of such a text. Another scholar says, the passage therefore preserves uniquely early and verifiable testimony. It meets every reasonable demand 
have historical reliability. So the historical reliability of this text can be traced, some scholars believe, to the mid-80s, 30s, even if you want to like expand that a little bit, let's say mid eighty forties, okay. a decade after the events of the resurrection. That's really that, that's unmatched in all yeah. of ancient yeah. literature. Yeah. yeah, that you would have a historical account that matches mm-hmm. again their their toolbox. Yeah, okay, right. impose it upon. So when you add all of that up together. Again, I'm, I'm using the word liberal scholars, meaning they don't hold conservative beliefs of the Bible. This is inspired word of God. Yeah, have agreed on twelve known historical facts. Okay, okay. So, like, if if you were to try to talk to somebody who's not a Christian, and they're like, "I don't believe in what you believe," you could say that's fine, but your camp accepts these twelve historical sure. facts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so here they are: Jesus died by crucifixion. Two, he was buried. Three, Jesus' death caused the disciples to despair and lose hope because they believed that his life had ended. Mm-hmm. Four, although not as widely accepted, many scholars hold that the tomb in which Jesus was buried was discovered to be empty just a few days later. Five, the disciples then had experiences which they believed were literal experiences of the risen Jesus. Do you see how the wording yeah, of this yeah, is? Yeah. Okay. Six, because of these experiences, the disciples were transformed from doubters who were afraid to identify themselves with Jesus to bold proclaimers of his death and resurrection. Seven, the message, this message was then the center of preaching in the early church. Eight, this message was especially proclaimed in Jerusalem where Jesus died and was buried shortly before. Mm-hmm. Nine, as a result of this preaching, the church was born and grew. Ten, Sunday then became the primary day of worship. Right. Big deal. Eleven, James, who had been a skeptic, was converted to the faith when he believed that he saw the resurrected Jesus. See how they word these yeah. things? Twelve, a few, a few years later, Paul was converted by an experience which he likewise believed to be an appearance of the risen Jesus. Hmm. So these twelve facts are the, the base historical facts that anybody that cares about history— Mm-hmm. Validating text, right? Not their own opinions. Those are the twelve facts. Mm-hmm. So what it comes down to is whether or not you have the faith to believe in those facts. Right, right, right. So when I say things like our faith is founded upon facts, it's not unicorns and fairy tales that yeah. Jesus walked out of the tomb. Right. That's what I'm talking about. Is people who don't even believe like we believe will at least concede those twelve things. Right. Yeah. Whether they think it happened or not, they'll sure. say, "Well, the disciples certainly thought that that right. happened." Yeah. So then you have to decide for yourself: Am I going to believe that these guys made all of that up right yeah to their own detriment right. and death yeah right. why would they do that and when you see all of these things line up to me it takes more faith <clears throat> to not believe these events happen than to actually accept them yeah. as historically true right so i like the question but i also think it's helpful for us christians to recognize that our scriptures do hold up to the test mm-hmm. of of you know critics now here's the thing if you believe this and you believe it by faith, then believing Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John by faith is, yes, is not a yeah. is not a challenge, yeah, right? Because all. <laughs> all that is is giving you the events that led to they this, led to that, and yeah. so that's why I can take anybody where they are on the spectrum of faith, 
with evidence, and we're eventually going to get our way to the same conclusion. Yeah. Which path do you want to take? Is right. what I'm trying to say. And yeah. but but there is plenty of evidence for everything that we believe. I, I think that's so that's so good and so important because there are so many people I think that have an intellectual challenge because right. they think, and we've talked about this before, that to have faith in Christ means you have to check your intelligence at the door. And what you're saying there is that these it's, historians have yeah. agreed, like you yeah. know this these disciples. They believed in what they saw. Yeah. There was a man named Jesus. An event happened in you know circa 33 A.D. Yeah. And there's evidence to back that up. And these men, like you said, believed in it to the point of they went to many of them, <laughs> most of them, gruesome deaths yeah. for their faith and what they believed. Yeah, that's really that that's really interesting. I, I thank you for bringing that. That's really neat. Yeah. So, uh, if anyone wants some more information on that, they can email us. I'm sure we can kind of you know we'll put them in touch with good resources. Yeah. So, shifting gears a little bit to the message uh, yesterday, uh, the title of your message was an unlikely witness, and uh, with with the key witness of the resurrection story that we talked about being in Mary Magdalene. Am I saying that correct, Mary Magdalene? Magdalene. From and Mag- uh, <laughs> before we get to yeah. what she saw on you know Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday that day, can you give us a little bit of background on her? Yeah, I mean, other than what I shared in the message yesterday, she's a follower of Jesus. Okay. She's always there. She doesn't abandon Jesus. Um, she did not have a shady past, despite uh, right. church tradition yeah. trying to label her with that. Right. I went into that in the message. Mm-hmm. Um, she was, you know, healed by Jesus and became a follower of Jesus. Okay. And so, um, you know, in many ways, she's one of his, you know, there were other disciples other than the 12 disciples, 12 apostles. But, you know, most major events you read in the New Testament, she's there. I thought it was interesting you mentioned she's, is she one of the only or the only people mentioned in all four Gospels? She's not the only one, okay. one of the few one of the that's few. mentioned in okay. all four Gospel accounts. Pop culture has done a lot of things with Mary Magdalene that you can read in your own time. Just go to Wikipedia. Okay. <laughs> um, and of course, Dan Brown had all kind of, you know, interesting ideas that... Um, pe- that sold him a lot of books and made him a millionaire. Was that the Vinci Code, yeah, the Da Vinci yeah, Code. Yeah, yeah. And so there's a lot of you know, lies out there uh, about Mary Magdalene. But at, at the at the core of it, she's a follower of Jesus. Mm. And Jesus cast out these demons, and she immediately became a follower of him. And there's um, some evidence that even beyond Jesus's ascension, she continued to be. Um, a voice that spread the gospel in the first century. That's good. Cool. So, you know, what was the significance of a woman's testimony being uh, included in the Bible as evidence of the resurrection? Well, it, it wouldn't hold up. Um, okay. So, you know, it, okay. a woman's <laughs> testimony would not mean anything okay. in the first century. So I just think it's fascinating. Again, I it mean, is. The, the let's go back to the folks that you know, I'd love to debate at some point who don't believe the validity of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Right. Some of the reason why they don't believe the validity of Matthew, right. Mark, Luke, and John is they believe that these gospel accounts were produced in the third or fourth century by believers who were trying to validate their own beliefs right. mm. and trying to give some type of historical basis. So they just sat around and made this stuff up. Right. Well, I'm sorry, but if you're trying to sit around and make something up, you don't let Mary Magdalene be the first person to see <laughs> right, it, right. because her witness doesn't right. mean anything. Right, to yeah. me, it's further proof of the accuracy of these accounts. Because yeah. it's what happened. It's yeah. what happened. Yeah. If we're trying to build something from scratch and we've got a dry erase board, we don't come up with the idea, <laughs> let's let a woman be the one who proclaims it. Right. Because women's voice didn't have anything. So again, it's just one more little thing in the in the Gospels that, in my opinion, builds a stronger case. Right. right. But make no mistake about it. Jesus told her, go tell yeah, the the the, the scaredy cats that are hiding <laughs> right, the men, right. and let them know <laughs> what you've seen. But yeah, the men were going to preach. Now, interestingly enough, we get to Acts chapter two, day of Pentecost. Mm-hmm. There's women there who are also proclaiming mm-hmm. that day, and the people there, 
you know, they're proclaiming to them in tongues that they've never spoken before and, and what's happening there yeah. and all these different things. But women are very much involved in the proclaiming of the gospel from the resurrection on. You yeah. cannot read the New Testament and deny that. Yeah. You know, yeah. you can just see it all over the New Testament. So it's significant because it happened that way. Yeah. And nobody tried to make it to sound any other it. way, yeah. to doctor it up. Yeah. That's right. right. Yeah, yeah. To make it yeah. sound good. So, so speaking of the resurrection account in John chapter 20, one of the things you talked about this in the message you said we were going to talk about on the podcast. So we are fulfilling the promise that you made uh, in the sermon yesterday <laughs> that uh, when Mary Magdalene first sees Jesus, she doesn't recognize him. She thinks he is a gardener. And you said there was some deeper, you know, significance to that. So can we unpack that a little bit? Yeah. So let's start by saying this, my opinion. Okay. All right. This is so, Adam's disclaimer. Yeah. Adam's New opinion. segment, yeah, Adam's opinion. <laughs> right. so, what I shared with you earlier not yeah. Adam's opinion, fact. Right. 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 So now we're going to share my opinion. So it could have just been as simple as <laughs> she thought it was the gardener. Right. <laughs> but like, in my opinion, it's a little bit more happening there. Okay. Yeah. So again, because it's John's gospel and John is really intentional. John's my favorite gospel writer. Okay. Okay. So not nothing, not to take a shot at Matthew, Mark and Luke, <laughs> but I like John's <laughs> writing style. I like first, second, third John. I like revelation. Right. I like, I just like John, mm-hmm. John, never just throws a sentence in, ever. He never throws a sentence in, (laughs) ever. Just need to know that about John. Okay. Earlier in John's gospel, he just kind of throws this in there in the middle of, you know, talking about Jesus. No one's ever seen God. All right. So then you get towards the end of John's gospel, and he's like, and Mary thought he was the gardener. And you're like, what is John up to? So let me tell you what I think is happening here. I think it's greater insight into helping us understand this idea of Christophanies, sometimes called Theophanies, in the Old Testament, where Jesus makes an appearance in the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. So I am of the opinion that when you read the account in the garden, Adam and Eve and God, and when it talks about that God was walking through the garden in the cool of the Uh, afternoon, it's Jesus. Mm. This is Jesus, the gardener. In the garden, walking through the garden, pursuing Adam and Eve and asking them, Mm -hmm. who told you you were naked? (laughs) Okay, this is that account. Mm -hmm. So to me, it stands to reason because if you think of Jesus, and now we're going to really kind of go into some fun places, um, Mm -hmm. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, same yet different. That's always an interesting discussion. So Jesus is presented to us in God's word in different states. Mm. So we have the pre-incarnate son, Jesus. This is what I'm talking about, Christophanies. Mm -hmm. We're told in Colossians that it was through Jesus that all creation took place. We know that Jesus didn't just show up in Bethlehem. Right. Mm -hmm. So there's the state of Jesus in the Old Testament before he experiences the incarnation and becomes one of us. Right, right, right. Then there's that state where he experiences the incarnation and becomes one of us. He takes on human flesh. Mm -hmm. Now we're in the state of the resurrection. Right. And most people don't recognize him. There's also the account of the road to Emmaus. Yes, and, I was about and to they don't know who he is. Clearly, well, he looks walks different. with them for like a mile. So <laughs> it's like it's Jesus, but people who have been around him don't really see it's Jesus. And so I'm of the opinion that perhaps uh-huh. in that resurrected state, it was more clearly like it was in the pre-incarnate oh, state okay. in the garden okay. as the gardener. Now he's. She thought he was the gardener. Right. See, see <laughs> right. the correlation yeah. there. Yeah. Well, now you know he ascends. 
he's in his glorified state seated at the right hand of the Father, right. which is the state that he will return. Right. <laughs> when you read right. Revelation, yeah. you're like, wow, yeah. <laughs> that sounds scary. It's not a baby in a manger. Yeah, yeah, so this is, you know, when you read and you study Christology, which is what we're talking about, the study of Jesus, it's pretty fascinating. And so I just think it's one of Scripture's way of clarifying for us that we do have accurate accounts of Jesus showing up in the Old Testament, yeah. which gives further clarity and validity to what we believe that he really was God's son, yeah. you know, sent at, at, at Bethlehem. So that's what I believe. It yeah. could have just been she, really thought he, she thought he was the gardener. <laughs> yeah. But New I think segment. I like because <laughs> John is intentional with yeah. a lot of yeah. things in his gospel, and he's mentioned this earlier in his gospel that no one's ever seen God, right. when I think, I think that's what's so, happening. Yeah. Now, you talk about how intentional John is with what he writes, and he also writes, I outran Peter uh, to the tomb. <laughs> so, like, you know, there, there's some... very sig- intentional that, with that one. W- when you talked about that yesterday, I was laughing so hard. You said, what dudes are going to do? Like, I mean, no matter what. So he's he's writing the gospel, but he's got to make sure everybody knows. Like, I outran this guy. So son I, of thunder, man. Yeah, that's right. John's got a little bit of an edge to him. I, I loved it. Yeah. The, the disciple that Jesus loved, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Loved they it. all had to. I mean, goodness, Peter ran his mouth all the time. All the time. Like, right. these guys weren't your Sunday school guys. <laughs> right. That's there, you know. Right, right. These, these were rough characters. Transformed by Jesus, empowered by the Holy yeah. Spirit. Yeah. Changed the world. And, and honestly, further evidence, you know, to the truth of all this. Right. Because like you're saying, these guys they were rough and tumble, and then they turn into these these church founders, and it's just uh, it's incredible yeah. to see. And you know, again, the theological truth there for all of us is that the same Holy Spirit that was in them is with us. That's and right. Jesus mm-hmm. told them, yeah. right. "I'm going to send you a helper, and it's better for me to go ahead and leave and for the helper to come." And we have that in us. And right. I think mm-hmm. sometimes we hold these guys up on a pedestal. Yeah. Well, listen, the thing is, like it's like I said yesterday, we are God's people on the earth right now. Right. Mm-hmm. Ain't no Peter and John running around here. Yeah. Right. So we have that same Holy Spirit, yeah. and He wants to use us in the same way. Yeah, that's cool. Well, okay, so Mary sees Jesus, thinks he was, he was the gardener, and then Jesus says to Mary, hey, go and tell my brothers. So what's the significance of that? He should have said, go and tell those knuckleheads. <laughs> yeah, go, <laughs> <and> tell- <laughs> you know, go knock on the door Where's three times and give him the secret handshake. I mean, these yeah. guys are hiding. They're scared. Yeah. They've abandoned him. But he calls them brothers. calls them his brothers. Yeah. Um, but that's our Savior. I mean, yeah. Everything about everything is based on God's love for us, not our love for Him. Mm-hmm. And His grace towards us, not our you know, grace towards Him. His faithfulness to us in the midst of our faithlessness towards right. Him. Yeah. That's the story of Scripture. Mm-hmm. So, of course, that's what Jesus would say. Yeah. Go ahead and tell my brothers yeah. when they least deserved to expect to hear that. Mm-hmm. But it's such a reminder for us that when we least deserve to be called one of God's own, mm-hmm. that's as He calls us one of His own, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. That, you know, it was God God sacrificed his son for us when we were at our worst. There's right. nothing yeah. we did. Yeah. We didn't bring anything to the table. Right. So of course he's gonna call them brothers. And and I can't imagine how they must have felt that day when mm-hmm. they received that. Right. It's the same thing in John, you get to the next chapter in John chapter twenty one yeah. and Jesus is on the on the beach making breakfast. Yeah, he's cooking <laughs> breakfast for these guys, you know? So it just what continues to shower them with <laughs> yeah. this gracious love that you know, only comes from our Savior. That's so interesting because, again, when I think about the perspective of the people who lived out these events, like, do you think that maybe there was a little bit of them that was like, oh, man, like, we ran away. Like, we didn't stay true. They were nervous about getting to see Jesus. What is he going to think? And then, like you said, he calls them brothers. Like, how how comforting that even in that moment, Jesus, he's come back, 
and he's still comforting the ones that he loves. Yeah, I mean, have you ever had a situation where you were supposed to get in trouble and you didn't? Yeah, the grace. Yeah, yeah. yeah the yeah. grace that's shown you. I mean, I, I think of the scene from Les Mis where he steals the the um, the candles and the gold and, right. and they, they catch him yeah. and they go back to the priest and he was like, yeah, but you're in too big of a hurry. You forgot to take all yeah, of this too. Yeah, it gives him more. Yeah. It gives him yeah. more. Right. It's such a picture of the grace that we experience with God that when we have, have actually turned our back on God and when we've abandoned Jesus... Mm-hmm. That's actually when he shows up and showers us with more. Yeah, it's not right. based on anything that we've done to deserve right. it. And that's, I love that scene in the in the in the musical, and then later made into film because it captures that idea. Yeah, that you know he he's caught. Yeah, he is yeah. caught red handed. Yes, yeah, and now him. he's going to have grace bestowed <laughs> upon him. Yeah, and for the rest of the musical slash movie, that's what compels him to live this new life. Right. is the grace that he's experienced. Mm. It is a picture of the gospel yeah. that what compels us to live this life is not. Well, now I've got to do everything to pay God back. You can't pay God back. It's because of the grace you've experienced. That's the overflow of your generosity and your love because of what you've experienced. It's not that you're trying to, you know, now, you know, pay God back because of all these things he did for you. Right, right. So one of the things that I kind of took away from your sermon, you know, you talked about how Mary Magdalene was this unlikely witness. And we touched on this a second ago that because of what Jesus did, like that's kind of our story as well, you know, that we can live out as witnesses, as unlikely in our lives as that may be, that Jesus can change any life at all. And your first point was that uh, at some point, every unlikely witness was once in a hopeless situation. So can you unpack a little more what you meant by that, both you know, in, in Mary Magdalene's life and in our lives? So years ago, I was um, listening to this couple. It was a married couple, and it, they were older, and I was in college, and I was interning at a church, and it was a Sunday night service, and I had to be there because I was interning <laughs> at the church, which was the only reason I would have been there. And um, they were sharing, and the, the guy was talking about when we are, you know, our, our sin nature, mm. the flesh. Yeah. He was making some really good points, and I wish I could remember his name because we did dig this the, the the books and resources from this guy. Because I remember thinking that's interesting, and I had his books for a season. I've moved too many times; I they lost somewhere <laughs> along the way. But They're in New York somewhere. He was talking about how <laughs> if you look at flesh, we were just talking about the incarnation. So chili con carne, you know, <laughs> give me some chili with meat, you know. So right, that's right. what we're talking about here. So he says, and I think he's right, that when it comes to our sin nature. If we're honest, there's kind of some different degrees of flesh. Okay. So and what he meant by that is some people have like grade A flesh, mm. meaning they've never met Jesus, they've never experienced salvation, but they do a lot of good in the world. Yeah. yeah. I've known a lot of people like that. Yeah. They're nicer than some of the Christians I know, yeah. right? They yeah, do a lot true. of really yeah. good. That's they really have true. not experienced salvation. They've not been transformed by but their sin nature. It's kind of grade A flesh. Yeah. Now you get to the whole other end of the spectrum. There's some the people, spam. their flesh is like stinky, rotten flesh. Right, yeah. I mean, you can smell their sin from a mile away. Like, right. you know, when they're living in the flesh, everybody knows. And, and yeah. they even flaunt it and they celebrate their sin. Right. Okay. Well, the interesting thing about salvation is both people need Jesus. Yeah. yeah. There's no amount of goodness in anybody's flesh that can get you to the cross. Now, what happens then? Let's take the person on the far end of the spectrum with the stinky, rotten flesh. Well, when they experience salvation and they're transformed by Jesus Christ and they move from death to life, they never forget what their life used to be like. And these people have 
powerful testimonies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is who I was, and this is what I did, and this is what my life looked like. And then I met Jesus, and now this is what my life is yeah, like. Complete it's remarkable. Yeah. My dad's testimony. That's my dad's testimony. Mm-hmm. Okay. So my dad, I've only ever known my dad is this amazing, godly man. Okay. But my dad didn't become a Christian until after I was born. Mm. So as I got older and my dad shared with me kind of some of his past in a way to try to help me avoid some of those things, it became pretty apparent, like, oh, he, he would have been closer to that end of the spectrum. Wow. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and so his testimony, it, it, he's never gotten over the fact that Jesus saved him, Wow. period, because he knows what he was like before he met Jesus. He was in a hopeless situation. Mm-hmm. And then there's other Christians who... They probably didn't don't think they were in that hopeless of a situation. Right. Yeah. They weren't doing terrible things. They weren't breaking a bunch of laws. They never went to jail. They didn't do any of the big notorious sins. Mm-hmm. And they got saved. They experienced salvation. Right. They moved from death to life. But over time, it can become almost second nature to forget just how hopeless your situation really was. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's really just good. as hopeless as whatever the worst sinner you could ever think of. That that's you. That's you. And so if that's your story, just know that's something you're going to have to be careful about, that over time, you can begin to lose sight of just how hopeless your situation really was, because in the flesh, you were actually a pretty decent person yeah. by the world standards. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's what I mean. You know, Depending on all of our stories, we can kind of see where we are in that. But the bottom yeah. line is all of those are hopeless situations. Right, right. Yeah. And, and Scripture addresses that, even mm-hmm. our good deeds— like filthy rats. That's right. And that's, so I think that's really interesting. What a great comparison that no matter where you are on that spectrum, mm-hmm. all of us needed yeah. Jesus. Yeah. yeah that's, that's so, so good. good. Um, so one thing you said yesterday was sometimes being a witness for Jesus means following him into his suffering. Uh, scripture tells us that we'll experience hardship and trials um, because we're followers of Christ. Mm-hmm. So how do we prepare ourselves for those times of suffering um, when they come our way? Go ahead and just accept the mm-hmm. fact that you're living in a state of suffering. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Constant. Okay? Your, your entire life is suffering. Right. And the reason why your entire life is suffering is you're not home. Mm. This world isn't your home. You're in exile. Yeah. That's what Peter calls us. Don't get too comfortable here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Don't don't get too enamored with the things of this world. Yeah. That for the rest of your days here on this earth, it's going to be marked by yeah. suffering because you're not in your resurrected body with Jesus for all of eternity. You're homesick. Compared to that, oh yeah. man, this is suffering. Yeah. Even on the best of days, right. this is suffering. Yeah. So if I understand that foundationally, mm-hmm. when the really bad days happen, it doesn't catch yeah. me off guard. Kind of. It's like okay, yep. That's, that's that's what this life is going to be that's like. Good. But you've got to find purpose in that, or yeah. you're going to be depressed. You're going to lose focus. Right, yeah. You know, so yeah. how do you find purpose in that? Well, you hold to the fact that God still has you here. Yeah. If he, if he wanted to call you on home, he would. If he has you here, he has something for you. Now, here's the key. Just because he has something for you doesn't mean you'll experience it. Hmm. You've got to walk in accordance to his will. Okay. Okay. You out here yeah. sin okay. left and right and act like a disobedient knucklehead. You're probably not <laughs> going to fulfill the purposes he has for yeah. you. You right. might end up in jail for the next 25 years. You can find purpose in that too. Yeah. But the point is, just because he has you here, yeah. don't just assume then that that means like you've got to cooperate yeah. with that, participate in that. Embrace spiritual growth. You're not going to grow by default. It will only happen by design. Yeah. And and in doing that, you can find immense purpose in the midst of your suffering. Mm-hmm. You better lean on some other brothers and sisters in Christ as well. This is not yeah. a, you know, there are no Lone Star Cowboys in Christianity. Like, we right. need each other. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think 
if we understand that, then it does make even like the the wonderful moments of life even better. Yeah. yeah. When you get to experience joy in the yeah. midst of this life. And there there is joy to experience every single day if we'll look for it. Yeah. But if you've set yourself up to believe that everything in this life is supposed to go great and always break your way <laughs> and always have things happen the way you want them to, how, yeah. that is not the life that we're promised in the New Testament. Right. Yeah. That, that is a life that somebody sold you on. Yeah. yeah. But it's that's not. Right. And so I'm not trying to sound negative. I just think we have to be realistic. The the darker this world gets, the more challenging it will become. But what I hold to is it's also the opportunity for the light to shine brightest. And guys, I'm telling you right now, um, I spent all morning texting with a lot of pastors that are my friends, you know, kind of all over the country. Yeah. Everybody had an awesome Easter. Yeah. Everybody. That's That's not. I've texted with pastors from every time zone in our country this morning at all record attendance, all people getting saved. Wow. People are spiritually hungry right now. Wow. Yeah. And and they're looking and God is up to something. And you're not going to hear about it in the news or you're not going to read about it on right. social media. They're just going to tell you how terrible the world is. Right. God's doing something. Right. So in the midst yeah. of all of this, the light is shining brighter. Yeah. And and Christians' lights are shining brighter. And there's an attractiveness to Jesus right now that hasn't been around in a while. Mm-hmm. And it's and, and it's happening. It is yeah. happening. I'm yeah. telling you, everybody I'm talking to and texting with, good things are happening yeah. in Jesus' church right now in our country. Mm-hmm. Don't let anybody tell you anything otherwise. Mm-hmm. You spend too much time on CNN and Fox News, you're going to get depressed, okay? <laughs> Go walk away Text, hurt, text with some of my preacher buddies, Don't do okay? That to good things are happening. Yeah. So yes, this is suffering, and yes, yeah. it's darkness, but the light is shining brighter, and we get to be alive right now. Right. Mm-hmm. Let's not bemoan the fact. Let's embrace that right. and let's be the light right now because I do think God is up to something. Yeah, yeah and, and, and we've talked about this before, how sometimes these seasons of suffering is a season of preparation. It's God getting us ready yeah. for something, you know, and then even in the next season beyond and beyond. So it's cool to hear you talking about what God's doing around the world because, you know, God is uh, clearly preparing, mm-hmm. you know, preparing the way and preparing us for something. I think season that's really, really good. sifting, I think, but, is what uh, yeah. we're talking about. Yeah, that's good. And I think we're moving into the season of harvest. Yeah. I think the last three years have been a rough, <laughs> but I think the next three years are going to be remarkable. That's yeah. awesome. I think that we're going to see God move in some remarkable ways. That's, That's cool. Awesome. So uh, kind of wrapping up the conversation, I love the quote that you use at the end of your message mm-hmm. by Charles Spurgeon, the, the Prince of Preachers. Uh, and I'm going to read it here because I want to make sure I get it right. He says, the sweetest promises in the Bible are for the people who deserve them the least. Unpack that quote for us a little bit more here, if you wouldn't mind. <laughs> well, it's also a nice little segue into the kickoff of our Sermon on the Mount teaching series this Sunday. Boom, here we go. Because, Look at that. you know, <laughs> we're going to start the Sermon on the Mount with the Beatitudes. Okay. You know, blessed are the poor in spirit, for yeah. they shall inhabit the earth. It's like, okay, what's happening there? What does it mean to be poor in spirit? We'll come to Vaughn Forest this Sunday, and we'll talk you about it, okay? So all over Jesus's ministry, it was the people who knew they were broken. They were lost. They had nothing to offer. They were the destitute. They were the poor. They were the ones without pedigree. Without any... When Jesus showed up for them, I mean, all they did was receive him hmm. because they had nothing else. Yeah. It's the people in the New Testament who actually had some clout, had some position, had some power, had yeah. some money, had a lot of earthly things that same Jesus shows up and oftentimes they couldn't, yeah. you know. So, yeah, the, the people who are in need the most are the people who recognize right away the amazing grace of God mm. because they know there's nothing that they can bring to the table. And the the sweetest promises in the Bible are 
for those who least deserve them. And yeah. you know, the times in my life where I felt like I was the least deserving of God's grace, when he showered me with his grace, it was a reminder, you were never bringing anything to the table to begin with. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. You know, everything that you do to try to become more like Jesus is out of obedience to be used by Jesus and to grow the relationship. But it's not like that you were contributing to this. Right. You see, yeah. you see what I'm saying? <laughs> right, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, and so I, I think that we all have had those seasons in our life where we would go, yeah, but I think the real power in that quote is to try to live that way every day. Hmm. You know, even if if you are in a season where not perfection, but you're pursuing the Lord, you're you're trying to be obedient to the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't lose sight of that. You, you still don't deserve any of this. Right, right. You know, you don't deserve any of this yeah. because you didn't do anything for it. And so I think again, it kind of goes back to what we we're talking about earlier. Let's not ever lose sight of the fact of yeah. who we were. Yeah. But we have been rescued. We have been given a new you know identity and. You know, to, to quote the great theologian from Yellowstone Rip, <laughs> don't ever forget, you Rip. didn't do anything to earn this. That's right. That's what he tells that yeah. boy in yeah, that one yeah. episode that they take in. Yeah. And theologian Rip laying some truth on us. Yeah. Like, we didn't do anything to deserve this. Yeah. And so I think that that quote, whether you're yeah. talking about Rip or Charles Spurgeon, they're kind of saying the same thing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> now, where else are you going to get that? There's no podcast. There's no other podcast. Yeah, that, those two in the same right. sentence. Guarantee wow. you. That, that's amazing. No, that's so it. good. That's so good. <laughs> well, gentlemen, that's a great place for us to kind of wrap up this conversation. Uh, by the time we're comparing Rip and Charles Spurgeon, yeah. saying they're saying the same thing, <laughs> yep. I think that's a good place to, to wrap it up. They so, are. yeah. So, we are beginning a new sermon series this week. Let's talk a little bit about that the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. We're going to take 13 weeks. We're going to go through every verse, so go ahead and start reading it. Yeah. Immerse yourself in it, yeah. and um, we're, you're going to come out of this sermon series with a greater understanding of Jesus's most famous sermon and how to actually apply it to your life. Yeah, um, we are not going to challenge you to memorize it. Um, I have seen people before who've really? memorized the Sermon on the Mount. Okay, so uh, we will not be doing that. You guys haven't done so, that. Uh, oh, sorry. No, no, okay. no. no I, I um, no. So maybe Matt can turn it into a song, and that'll make I, it easier for yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. That's the only way I'm going to. <laughs> but I, I, you know, we do this. Use about once a year. Yeah, uh, we'll take. Last year we did it with the entire book of Colossians. Right. This year we're doing uh-huh. Sermon Mount. We just we just dive in and we yeah. just go through it one verse at a time and we talk about how to apply it. And so I think it's going to be a really powerful series. I'm going to take you up on your challenge. I am going to I am going to try and do the at least the first couple lines of. Yeah, it. if you can memorize the Beatitude, that's not bad. Yeah, yeah, that's that's yeah we'll start, start there. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's good. We'll start there. And that'll be this Sunday, nine thirty to eleven a.m. If for some reason you're traveling, maybe you're sick, can't be with us. You can always join us online at vaughnforce.com. Well, gentlemen, what a great conversation today. Appreciate you guys being here. We appreciate you uh, tuning in, watching with us on the Other Six Podcast. On behalf of Adam Bishop, Matt Collins, Sound Guy Jonathan, and myself, we will catch you next time. 